Welcome back once again to Zyja Station for another one of our Galaxy Famous Dispatches. We've got another interview to share with you this time around. We had the pleasure to speak with Leon Klingman a couple of weeks ago for the podcast. We spoke to him between the airing of episode 9 and 10, so there will be spoilers ahead for those who haven't finished the season yet, so beware. We'd also like to apologize in advance. We had some trouble with the audio on this interview, unfortunately. We did our very best to edit out the worst of it, but bear in mind there are a few places where there may be a bit of an echo where our audio tracks overlap. There are just two of us that produce everything, and we are far from professional editors, but we do the best that we can. Thank you for understanding. Without further ado, here's our interview with Leon. Greetings, vagrants. We are joined today by Leon Klingman, who actually had a couple of roles on the show, playing the loyalist Dengar, as well as Agent McKean in episode eight. Welcome to the podcast, Leon. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. And thank you for being here. We're going to get right into the questions here. We've been asking all of our guests, because the show is set in space, in keeping with that, what's your favorite planet, real or fictional? Uh, ooh, I suppose um, there's a sort of tropical holiday planet on Star Trek called Riser. Um, that's my kind of vibe, beaches and palm trees and tropical weather. So yeah, that would probably be my favorite planet. Wow, that sounds lovely. <laughs> it really does sound lovely, especially in the times that we're in right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, a nice escape. Yeah, definitely. I no doubt. <laughs> um, so I, how did you end up on Vagrant Queen? Um, did you read the comic before you went in for the audition? Was it just kind of you? It sounded interesting, or or how did that? Um, no, I was called in for the audition. Uh, originally, I was asked to to read for the Zyja station manager. Um, which was quite a fun role because he's he's as nuts and high as a as a as a fruitcake and he's just crazy and then Lazar arrives and he cuts off his hair and there's that whole that whole thing. So I did that and that was I think in early April last year and then I didn't hear anything for quite a while um, and I assumed that I just you know had lost out and then suddenly out of the blue I got called in to read for Dengar. Um, and the original brief for Dengar was they were supposed to be tall and Ingrid and, and Irid and Dengar was supposed to be tall, thin, very menacing, dark kind of characters. Um, but Jem had rewritten them into, into what they were when we did the show, but no one told me. So I got this brief and I was like, I'm not tall and thin and I'm not menacing. And I, didn't, I wasn't quite sure. Anyway, I worked out how to play it and I went in. And just as we we're about to start, the casting director said to me, well, I suppose you've heard all the changes and everything. And I was like, uh, no, I don't know anything. He said, no, well, Jem's rewritten these characters and um, she wasn't finding the right actors and she really loved the sort of comedy you brought to the Zyja manager. So she thought maybe you could 
bring that in here. And I was like, uh, okay, that's not what I prepared, but, um, so I wasn't quite sure what to do. And then I just said, well, let, let it go. And I jumped in and I did the audition. I still, to this day, don't know exactly what I did. Um, and no one would tell me. I asked the casting director before we started shooting if they would show me the tape so I could see what I did because I, I just, this was one of those things where I just let go of what I'd prepared and I jumped in and I did the audition and I came out on the other side and I didn't know what I had done. Um, but they obviously liked it and, and then, yeah, and that's kind of how I got the job. Perfect. Um, so had you read the comic before or or since you you were cast at all? No, I mean, I read a little bit what I could find on the on the Internet um, just before the, the callback. Um, but no, I haven't had a I haven't read the comic book either. It's it's not readily available in South Africa. Um, well, you could always borrow it from Paul. We <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> live so far away, Paul. I'll have to wait till he comes into town. <laughs> Ask him to bring it with. <laughs> so you you played Dengar and Agent McKean, as we mentioned. What did you enjoy about playing each of those respective characters? Uh, Dengar was was fun because he was this sort of trying so hard to serve the queen and trying so hard to do to to do right, but everything he did, he, he kind of screwed it up a little bit and. Um, and he didn't, that was never his intention. You know, he was really, I mean, I think there's a line early on in, in episode one where he says, like, our duty is to serve the crown. And that's all he really wanted to do. But he just kept upsetting everybody. And that sort of became this sort of bumbly kind of character. Um, and I loved the, the dynamic between Dengar and Isaac, because Isaac never liked Dengar. So we had this constant this constant thing. And then right at the end or before Dengar dies in episode five, um, Isaac almost accepts, like he walks in and looks like he was about to hug me and then he kind of turned away. But there was that look in his eyes of, uh, yeah, I accept you now. So that constantly trying to, to do right. And I, I love that. And then with, with Agent McKean, uh, that whole episode was just, it was so enjoyable from the point of view that nothing was too big. Jem gave us complete freedom to just go uh, as far as we could with the characters. So it was, a, I mean, he he looked, I, I didn't know until the day I got on set what I was actually going to look like because I sort of finished shooting Dengar. We had some pickups to do for episode three and we finished that. And then the very next day we started shooting um, episode eight. So I never had a chance to actually know what I was going to look like until I finished my makeup on the day and they'd made uh, Agent McKean look quite they're quite harsh features and quite an angry looking person and I tried to play against that and make him quite um, almost like a little baby who, who was scared of everything and, and a bit neurotic and highly strung um, and then Jim gave us the freedom to just go over the top with it. So I had a lot of fun just pushing the boundaries of what was too big and what was not. Um, had you seen Clue? We, we, we kind of gather that there was maybe a, a cast watch of the, of the movie, um, perhaps. But had you seen it before you, were, uh, you knew that you were going to do this? Yes. 
Um, I had seen the movie before many years ago, but Richard, who was the dialect coach for Vagrant Queen, had a copy of the DVD. So I got that from him about a week before we started shooting. And I watched it a couple of times. Um, and obviously, Jem took all the lines and stuff from Clue, but she divvied them up and, and shifted them to different characters. So it was hard to watch the movie and kind of go, okay, um, Michael McKean, who, who's was all the characters were named after the actors, but nothing was specific to one character. She had mixed everything up. So I just got a sense of the style of the show. And then obviously some of the key lines, no matter which character they were delivered by, were delivered in a certain way. And then I tried to bring that into, into the actual shoot on the day. Was it, uh, was it a big shift from Dengar to, you said that you kind of played them uh, pretty close together. Um, was it a big shift between the two or was it pretty easy to slip into to different characters with all of the prosthetics? Um, yeah, I think it was the prosthetics really made it easy to, to switch. I mean, I would have, I would have loved a little bit more time in between characters to maybe, um, work on something completely different for, for Agent McKean. But um, as I said, I didn't have the time and I was supposed to, I had a makeup test the week before and I was supposed to see what uh, McKean was going to look like, but then something went wrong and we couldn't do it. So literally on the day, um, as, as I was, as they were making me up, I was looking in the mirror and starting to play around in the mirror while they were fin doing the final touches, um, sort of finding the character. And then I had a little bit of time between, between finishing up in makeup and going um, on set. So... I just played around in my trailer and around base camp and just try to find something very different to, to Dengar. Um, obviously the accent and the voice was different. Um, but yeah, it was, it was funny cause on, on that day, um, Alex's sister, um, Alex who played a May was visiting and she walked past me and she went, Oh, hi Leon. And I was like, no, you're not supposed to know it's me. I'm a completely different character. Like, how can you tell with this aesthetics <laughs> on? And then I was worried. <laughs> you know, then I was worried that I'd get on set and everyone would know I was Dengar. But even some of the crew when I came on, it took them quite a while to realize that it was actually me playing McKean. Um, they just thought it was a new actor on set that day. So that was that that helped. But but Lauren, uh, Alex's sister, didn't help me at all. <laughs> kind of like, no. <laughs> yeah. It had me fooled. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you certainly could have fooled me too. So we might as well ask about the makeup and prosthetics and all while we're at it. How long did it take to get all that put on? Um, Dengar wasn't too bad. Um, the initial, because I just had, the Ariopians just had ears. Um, so it was just a case of um, the ears took about, 40 minutes to put on every morning and then the hair took about another 40 minutes because they aged me for Dengar because I had to be seen very briefly in the flashbacks of the of the inauguration in episode nine so all the way through I had to have these this gray stuff put into my hair which was quite a process um and then it would take hours to get out. In fact, some days it wouldn't even come out. Um, they, they use this like uh, um, silver marker pen 
and they would put streaks in and they put all sorts of stuff in. So altogether, between the hair and the ears for Dengar, it took about just over an hour. Um, but then for, for Agent McKean, the prosthetics itself took about two and a half to three hours to put on. Um, and, then, and then the basic makeup for that. And then I'd go over to hair and they put the wig on which would take about 20 minutes and then it go back to, to prosthetics and they would do the final um, touch-ups on the makeup. So all in all, it was about three and a half hours for, for McKean, which, yeah, wasn't too Gotta bad. Got to be a lot of patience involved. Yeah, I'm quite a patient person and I just, for me, it went really quickly. I would just lie in the chair and sometimes I'd even fall asleep doing it and then wake up and it was almost done. For other actors, it was really, really difficult. I know someone like Kino who played um, Agent Mull and and um, uh, the name just went right out of my head. The uh, the creepy alien who tried to eat everybody. Um, Clive. Clive. Yeah, he really struggled to to be in in prosthetics for long periods of time, and. Um, but for me, it's, it was fine. I would just lie in the chair and chill out, and the next thing it was, it was done. So I, I never had a problem with it. Um, the only thing I was worried about was that I was going to have to wear contact lenses because my eyes don't, don't like anything in them. I can't even wear normal contact lenses. So luckily, I didn't have to because um, that would have been difficult for me. But the prosthetics was fine. I mean, and then to take it off, at the end of the day was was another hour or so. Um, wasn't as bad as someone like Irid who was painted completely blue. I mean, she would be in prosthetics for for like five or six hours every day and then take another like three or four hours to get it all off her and at the end of this. So she she would get picked up at like two o'clock in the morning to start her her prosthetics and we would only start shooting at like ten in the morning. Um but yeah, but it was fun. I mean, all every day being in, on set and just seeing all the different characters that would be made up and all the different stuff that prosthetics came up with was was really awesome. It was a first for me, so so I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Tim was saying that they they really it felt like you were kind of in space. Um, did it feel that way to you, or was it a little bit different because you weren't really on the ship a whole lot? Um, yeah, I wasn't on the ship as much as they were. Um, and once you are on the ship, because from the outside, when you when you when you step into the into the studio, from the outside, the ships are just just sort of wood and um, carpentry and stuff like that. But then once you step in and it's been made, and on the inside, it's amazing. And then they didn't have it all the time when I was there, but on some days they would have because they had these big green screens and then they would actually project all the stars and the galaxy stuff onto the screens. And then it would feel like you were, you were floating in space. Um, so that was really cool. Um, out of the episodes that you were in, what was your favorite to film? And, and was there a reason? Um, I loved episode, episode four. Um, the, the set that, at the airport, the sort of uh, station that sort of was like an airport um, was was amazing. And then even though, I mean, Clive is probably still my favorite character in the series, 
And even though Dengar didn't like him because he was always trying to eat me, it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was a lot of fun playing those scenes because, yeah, Clive would sneak up behind me and put his one of his tentacles and I would scream and um, and that sort of cowardly kind of Freddy cat kind of dengo would pop out. And, um, yeah, it was just... And the, the set was amazing. And then the whole fight sequence when when Irid comes... I mean, when, uh, when a leader comes, bashes through the doors and... She has that whole tumble, the, the whole fight sequence in the airport was amazing to watch them film that and, and the squibs and feathers flying everywhere. Um, and then also at the end of four, when Irid dies, um, I got a chance to really, to really get emotional, um, which was nice. It was a complete shift and, and no one knew I was going there. So it completely surprised the whole crew and cast when, when I started screaming at Irid's death. But, Jem had said to me right even before we started shooting, I met with her in the hotel and she said she wanted both Irid and Dengar's deaths to be very dramatic. So I'd been playing this in the back of my mind. I didn't know exactly how it was going to come out, but then the doors closed and Irid was, was being crushed. And I ran forward to, to get to, to, to the doors and um, Krob was supposed to pull me back, but he slipped. So he didn't, and I, I wasn't stopped. So I just got to the doors, and this pent-up emotion just came out, and 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 I, it was yeah, it was a really nice moment to play. Very cool. Certainly sounds like it. <laughs> um, so we learned uh, a couple of weeks ago from Adrian's Fan Friday that you got injured during episode five. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, that was during when when Dengar dies, when I fall out of the the machine. Um, everything was crazy that day because that, that particular scene we shot on the Friday, it actually was Friday the 13th. Um, we were supposed oh, to go figure. <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to shoot that the following Friday. Um, and they were supposed to shoot some of the episodes, some of the wick scenes out in the dunes on that Friday, but because of weather, it was raining. They swapped, they swapped the days around. Um, and the machine that, that kills Dengar, um, wasn't finished being built because the the guys thought that they still had an extra week to to build it. Um, so they were in a panic and they were trying to get the final touches done on the machine. And the prosthetics guys hadn't had a chance to to work out how how the arms were going to tear off the body um, and the blood would squirt out and all of that. The only people that were ready ahead of time were wardrobe. Um, so everything was in a complete rush. We were running out of time to shoot the shot. And we literally only had one take to get the falling out of the machine. Um, and I just think in all the panic and the, the rush, the, the stunt guys put a very thin mat for me to fall on. And I just fell at an awkward angle and I landed on my ribs. And it was just this like, as I hit the ground, it was just this like crunching sound through my whole body. Um, and then I had to lie there like I, would, I, was, I couldn't move because I was supposed to be dead. Um, so it was really, really painful. And then over the weekend, it was, it was really, I couldn't move, but then, then it sort of seemed to get better. So I left it and for about a week, it was fine. And then, and then it got really, the, the first day of shooting episode eight, um, I was really, really struggling. Um, so the medic came and they gave me ice packs and stuff. Um, and they wanted to send me for, for x-rays. Or to physio, and it just wasn't time. I thought if I left set, 
then there just wasn't time to. So I thought, no, I'll, I'll push through. And so I pushed through and I shot. And it was a bit painful because in, in episode eight, I had the whole fight sequence um, with, with Isaac. Um, so we try to work it as much as possible so that like when he throws me into the wall, I, I landed on the other side of my ribs rather than the sore side. And then there was this, when the spider creature f throws me around and I had to dive onto my chest and land on my ribs again. Um, but I still, I didn't know they, they were broken at that point. It was only about two months ago, um, I had x-rays and they found the fractures um, because yeah, it just didn't, normally ribs take about six to eight weeks and they, they heal, but this was like seven months and it still wasn't healed. So I went for x-rays and then they found the fractures, but now finally it's, it's healed. But well, that's good to hear. It's <laughs> yeah. certainly a relief. Yeah. But, um, Oh, we all, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's fine. So we all, we've also learned that you love to skydive. One of our listeners, Katie, wants to know how you got into skydiving. and Were you always a daredevil? And what's your favorite daredevil thing to do? Um, well, skydiving definitely, would, I would say, is my favorite. Um, I've always wanted to do it, but I just, never, I just never thought I could actually jump out of an airplane. So for years and years and years, I've thought about it, but never actually done it. And, um, and also, no one wanted to do it with me. And then in 2017, um, I went to Vancouver to do an acting course there. And one of the other actors that I met there, we, were, we went out one night and he was saying, oh, he wants to go skydiving, but his girlfriend never wants to go with him. And I said, well, I want to go skydiving as well. And the next day he called me and he said, I've booked, we're going skydiving. Um, so I was like, okay. And I didn't really feel anything. I was like, okay, when I get to the airport, I'll, I'll feel the nerves will kick in and got there and I didn't feel anything still was fine and then we got on the plane and I still felt fine and then we got like 15,000 feet in the air and suddenly the guy just the doors open and the guy yanked me out and we were out and it was just the most amazing sensation because even though you're falling at at like 200 kilometers an hour uh it feels like you're floating um and we free we free fell for about for about 60 seconds just floating like a bird. It was just the most amazing thing. And obviously Vancouver is just such a beautiful city as they had these like snow capped mountain peaks in the distance and these beautiful forests and rivers and lakes and things. Um, so yeah, that was definitely my favorite. I did the bungee jump once before, um, which is the highest bungee jump in the world at 216 meters, but that was nowhere near as much fun as, as skydiving. Um, yeah, I guess once you once you jump out of a plane, <laughs> everything else is not, not yeah. quite as as big. <laughs> yeah, I mean you 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 have to go when with the, the the skydiving. You have to do a tandem jump. You can't jump on your own anymore, or at least in Canada, that's the law. You have to go the first couple of jumps. So I didn't actually jump. I was more like pulled out <laughs> by my uh, uh, host. But it was, yeah, it was really, really, it's, I think everyone should do it. It's just the most amazing experience. And then other than that, which I wouldn't really call, I suppose, daredevil as much is, is uh, deep sea diving. I've done that once or twice, and I'd really like to do more of that. Because that's, that's also like, it's just such an awesome experience when you're under the water. And all you can hear is your own breathing. And you just feel like you just become one with nature. 
Um, even if you're with other people, you can't really talk to each other. And it's just, yeah, that's just really an awesome, awesome sensation as well. Yeah, that sounds, sounds like it. Um, so I haven't done I. any of those things. <laughs> Neither have I. Put it on your uh, bucket list. <laughs> oh, I, I think I'm going to have to now. I don't know. I, it scares me. My my brother and my sister have both um, been skydiving, but I I don't know. I'm kind of a chicken. <laughs> yeah, we'll try the deep sea diving because that's really that's that's awesome as well. It's not as much um, of a thrill, so, but it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm claustrophobic too, so I don't know if that would work cause with all the uh, the scuba gear and the and the uh, the, the breathing mask. Um, okay. Um, and you would struggle but, with the uh, aesthetics uh, as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Adrian uh, has said that she does almost all of her stunts herself, knowing that you are that you do all these these things. Um, do you also did you also do your stunts on the show? Um, I didn't really have major stunts. I mean, the there was I I haven't done any stunt um, training myself. Um, was it the fight sequence with Isaac? I did myself. Um, there was one moment where I don't know if it made the final edit where the spider throws agent McKean up and down. They, they had a stunt person come in to do that for me. Um, but yeah, and then they, they used when, when, um, when we arrive at the gas station, in episode the end of episode beginning of episode three i think it was when we when we shoot isaac and alida and the may they had stunned people who did uh, did us that sort of slid down the the ropes from the spaceship into the gas station so i'd say i did a little bit of my own and and then some stunned people did some of the stuff for me and then while we're on the subject of onset happenings, what are some of the more notable or interesting or e- even funny moments that you recall from your time on set? Um, sure, there were there were quite a lot of little little things. Um, the, our cameraman Chris was very funny. He always wore these funny, like little different animal knitted uh, hats. So it was always fun to see what 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 he would be wearing each day. Um, Clive, well, it wasn't really funny, but um, I mean, he really struggled with the the co- he, I mean, because he didn't just have the prosthetics; he also had huge costume and stuff like that. So we could, sh- when we shot with him, he could only shoot for very, very, very short periods of time, and then he'd have to go and um, take everything off and have a rest before we could shoot again. Um, Yeah, uh, what else? I mean, working with Jennifer, we had a lot of fun, which also didn't make the final, a lot of the final edits, but but just sort of improvises, Irid and, and Dengo, we had a lot of little moments where we just improvised um, after the scenes or, or while we were waiting for, to shoot, we would just um, make up crazy stuff. And, um, and that, was, that was quite fun. And Jem was... Jem was uh, was great to work with. She created, you know, she always made the, the the whole vibe on set very very light and and fun. It was like just yeah, one big family, and everybody was always very happy. I never saw any bickering or fighting that you often see on long shoots. 
that sounds nice. Um, it really does. <laughs> so as I as I mentioned earlier, we recently spoke with Paul Detois, who mentioned the the South African TV and film industry. Um, you have many of the same actors that that work together. Um, had you worked with many of the other actors on on the show in other projects? Um, some of them I've worked with Alex once before. And I've worked with Paul. We did a commercial together um, about two years ago. And I, I knew most of the actors, but I, I hadn't necessarily worked with all of them. Like um, Kino, who played Clive, um, we we never actually worked together, but but we'd known each other. We have the same agent, and we see each other at auditions a lot. And I'd never worked with Robin either. Survey, who played Agent Khan, I'd worked with. Um, and Richard, who was the dialect coach, and he also played the Zyger station manager, and we played about five different roles, and he was the Gluber driver. Um, I'd worked with him. And then there were other characters that I didn't necessarily interact with that played smaller roles, um, like uh, Candace, Richard's girlfriend, who, who played the accountant. Um, in episode four, I'd worked with her before. So there were a lot of little people who had little, little smaller parts that I had worked with. I mean, it is a relatively small industry in Cape Town. So eventually everyone kind of knows each other and, and you end up working with people. Right. I think uh, watching a lot of Canadian TV, we also see that. Um, see Absolutely. That <laughs> I mean, in Cape Town, we have, Cape Town's more of an international market. So, um, a lot of the actors only do international work. Someone like Paul crosses over, he does local uh, local work and international work. I don't do a lot of local stuff. And then in Johannesburg is predominantly local work. So there's sort of two groups of actors. There's a lot of actors who do local work that never do international work. And then in Cape Town, the other way around. So we might as well touch on this. As we've seen across the season, this is a show where practically nobody's characters outside of the main cast are safe, and we saw that with Dengar and Agent McKean. What was it like for you having two different characters who met, for lack of a better way of putting it, ter such terrible fates? Uh, it was horrible because it was such a fun project to work on, so knowing that Dengar was going to die was was very upsetting because you, know, you want to just stay on and be part of it as much as possible. I mean, yes, I had this very sort of dramatic death, but um, I, yeah, I, I didn't want to die as Dengar particularly because that was my main character. I didn't know at the time that I was going to be playing Agent McKean. I was only, only found that out um, when we were shooting episode five. Um, so yeah, no, it wasn't nice to know that you're going to get killed off, but, but as, as you said, everybody just about gets, gets killed off in the series. Um, I didn't mind so much with with Agent McKean because episode eight was such a sort of isolated episode of almost like a little story on its own that all those characters um, probably would never get seen again anyway. But with Dengar, I was hoping that at some point that, that they would change their mind and, and rewrite episode five and that I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> Doomed fates aside, if you could play any other character on the show, who would you want to play? One that already exists or something new? Oh, either. Um, 
was I mean Isaac uh, Isaac's a, a very 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 fun character but um but that yeah that would be lovely to have a go at, at, at not necessarily at Isaac but but a character like that um and then it would also I mean evil characters are are a lot of fun um you, know, you can see how much fun Paul's having with with Lazaro it's just <laughs> yeah it's a lot of fun so yeah so possibly like uh yeah, I would, I would enjoy playing like a, a, a sort of darker character, like um, like a Lazaro type character, but maybe his evil sidekick or his, or maybe in season two, if we have a season two, they can bring sort of Dengar's twin, evil twin brother. <laughs> can always hope. <laughs> yeah, oh, <wow>. sci-fi <laughs> can get away with that kind of stuff. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so changing gears a little bit, uh, were you prepared for the Winona Earp fandom uh, via via Tim, um, the Erpers, to start watching the show um, once we knew that he would be in it? Uh, no, no, I had no clue about, about <laughs> of that. <laughs> so how was how was the experience for you? Oh, it's been awesome. I mean, it, it's it's been so nice interacting with the fans online and and. Um, on social media and stuff like that. And then on the, on the days when we, we do the live tweeting and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, cause that's like often, you know, you do, you do stuff and it plays, it airs out there and you, you never actually have any connection with, with the people watching it. So this is the first time I've really had a sort of interaction with, with fans in this way. And, and, and it's been amazing. Um, and how dedicated everyone that's watching the show is to it. And, how passionate they are about it, um, and it really makes it all worthwhile that know that you that your work is entertaining people, and it's particularly in in the, with what's going on in the world at the moment with lockdowns and viruses and crazy stuff going on in America at the moment. It's really great that that we're bringing some lightness and escape to to people, and that they appreciate it and, and love it. Definitely. We, we, we enjoy it. <laughs> oh, we it's definitely do. Mental vacation here. <laughs> this is truth. So you talked about the passionate fandom. We might as well ask, because as we record this, the end of the season is right around the corner. The finale actually airs here in America tonight as we're recording this. So, of course, vagrants have been fighting for the show with the hashtag Renew Vagrant Queen. So the question here is, what message do you have for the vagrants out there who are fighting so hard for this wonderful show? I would say keep fighting. Um, I, I'm not sure how it works on the, with the producers and what, what they base their decisions on, if it's purely on the numbers watched or, or not, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, just keep fighting and just keep making your voice heard because um, I think there's so much potential um, to come in season two uh, without giving away any spoilers or anything. Um, the finale tonight sets, sets it up beautifully for, for so much to happen in season two. And, and I'm sure that, that Jen has written some amazing stuff already for season two. So it would be awesome if we got a season two. I don't know, I say both my characters are dead. So hopefully they'll bring me back as, <laughs> as something else. Um, but but yeah, just just let that passion let that passion be heard, and just keep keep up the pressure on on sci-fi, and hopefully 
hopefully they will listen and 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 see that they're people that really really love the show and so yeah that's just just keep fighting we well, certainly will. Yes, that's number one on, on the agenda here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how it works and if they, uh, if they only go purely off the numbers of people that watch live or, or how it all works. But Yeah, I mean, sci-fi does have a, uh, their, one of their um, slogans is it's a fan thing. So we have our fingers crossed that, uh, that they will listen to the fans. Um, I know we kind of I've been I've been watching the IMDb scores of the episodes and they've all just gained points every every week that's gone up. So that's that to me sounds promising. Yeah. And also I hope they, I hope they look through because there seem to be on IMDb particularly, there seem to be people that sort of um, just like the show without even really watching it. They sort of seem to be angry about another show that got canceled and we're taking it out on Vagrant Queen. Um, so I hope they look past that and see that those negative comments or where they were coming from, um, particularly on IMDb, I don't know, Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, there seem to be a lot of very positive, positive remarks, didn't seem to have the same uh, sort of negative remarks that some of the IMDb viewers gave. Do you, do you have any final thoughts for us? Um, yeah, I'd just like to say, well, thank you very much for for inviting me on and giving me a chance to to talk about the show um and yeah i'd just like to say thank you to everybody for or for sci-fi and for jim and everyone else and the crew and the cast and everyone who worked so hard um well, first of all for giving me the opportunity to be part of the show and then the support and the the hard work that everybody put into it um and the fun times we had on set and the, the sort of family vibe that was created. Um, I really miss that. And yeah, I'd just like to say thank you to every, every single person that was involved because they all went that extra hundred miles to, to make this happen. Um, people put in such hard work um, and always had a smile on their face the next day. No one was ever grumpy or, or bit, you know, bitter about not sleeping or whatever. Everyone just kept working and working and working. So um, I'd just like to say thank you to all of them and hopefully we'll see them again in season two. Yes, definitely. Here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, and thanks yeah, to all the fans for tuning in and watching every week as well. I mean, without you guys, it's nothing. So, so thank you to all the fans. Well, you can definitely kind of sense that, that family vibe. Um, I, I think that uh, when you have that, it just it really shows on screen as well. Um, so thank you Absolutely. for that. Yeah. yeah, I've never experienced anything like that because normally, I mean, after three months of people working together, by the end of, of a shoot, there's always a little bit like the sound departments fighting with the wardrobe people and the wardrobe people are angry at the production. And there's always a, people just, and people want to just move on to the next show. But with Vagrant Queen, I mean, I was there until the second last day and everyone was just so, so happy to be there. And there was no fighting and rattiness and, and everyone was just so helpful to each other. And yeah, it was just particularly like prosthetics and makeup. I mean, those people worked 18, 20 hours a day for three months um, and always had a smile on their face. And I think it comes from Jem because Jem's just such a warm person and she's always, every morning when you come on set, she's got a big smile on her face and she gives everybody a big hug 
which we probably wouldn't be able to do now with social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make a difference when you've got a director showrunner. Even when she wasn't directing the episode, she wasn't directing. She was there, and she, she. So I think it came from the top. It just filtered down that everybody bought into her passion and into her vision for the project and just went for it. And um, so yeah, I think it all comes. A lot of it is, if not all of it, is. Up because of her and her whole attitude and her personality. So, um, yeah, that was really great. Well, we've heard nothing but wonderful things about Jim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. such an amazing person. It's, also, I mean, she, she wrote the show. She was producing it. She was editing at times. She um, show running and directing. And I don't know how she also finds the time in the day to do all of that and then still always be happy and have a big smile on your face and have all the energy to put into it on set. Because, I mean, we were shooting for 14, 15 hours every day. That's just on set. Then there's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, and to keep that energy and that that sort of um, sort of passion up for three months nonstop is, is amazing. There's definitely something to be said for dedication to the cause. Yeah. Well, they say if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Something like that. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I kind of feel that way. I work with uh, uh, homeless youth um, and youth in, in transitional housing, and I, I really enjoy it. I feel like I, I make a little bit of a difference, and that, that helps. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you make a huge difference in their lives as well. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank giving you. that time to other people. Where can your fans find you on social media? Um. I'm on Instagram at Leon Klingman or on Twitter at Leon Klingman and then Facebook at Leon Klingman. I don't know how Facebook, if you, have, if you have a tag like that, but if you search for Leon Klingman, then you'll find me on Facebook. Um, and luckily, I'm the only Leon Klingman in the world, so you won't get millions of, of uh, people to choose from. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for your time with us uh, talking. It's yes, really, thank you. It's really been a delight. Um, no, you're welcome. We are definitely hoping to see more of you in whatever form that takes in season two. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers, <laughs> hands, toes, we'll cross them all. All of it, yes. Well, thank you so and much for, you. for inviting me on. And um, yeah, it's great meeting you both. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Until next time, this has been a transmission from another galaxy. Not, Not yours. We are a fan-driven podcast, which means you help us do what we do, so we appreciate any way you can show your support for our work. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. that's X-I-J-A-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H-P-O-D. There, you can find current news about Vagrant Queen, our podcast, and many other things happening in the fandom. You can also support us on a long-term or short-term basis through Patreon. Your subscription there helps us cover expenses for the podcast, whether it's hosting costs or giveaways or anything else that makes us the best fan space it can be.
To find us on Patreon and to get more information, just go to patreon.com and search Zija, X-I-J-A. And of course, as a fan podcast, we want to hear from you, the fans. Our email is vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. You can send us a text or voice recording, whether it's about what's happening on the episode, your thoughts on the show as a whole, or what we're doing here on the podcast. This is an inclusive space, so send us your comments or feedback and make yourself heard. Finally, Podbean hosts new episodes of our podcasts. That's where you can go to find the latest episodes of our programs and keep up to date on what's happening in our galaxy. We also have transcripts available if you need them. That's at zygestation.podbean.com. Till next time, Zygestation, over and out.